Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank Goy Korea, and I'm the host of the show, and I'm happy that you can join and listen. If you've listened to previous episodes, thank you for coming back. If this is the first time you're listening, welcome, and I hope you will enjoy the show and continue to be a listener. This podcast discusses three topics, movies, sports, and politics. Each episode of the show will be dedicated to one of these topics. Today's show will center on sports. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, and CastBox under Let Me Bend Your Ear Podcast. Please subscribe to the show on any one of these podcast apps so you can receive new episodes direct to your device when they become available. If you listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review. This is a very important and simple way you can help the show reach a wider audience. As always, you can also get the show from our website, which is www.letmebendyourear.com. Coming up on the show today, I'll be discussing the career of the late Leroy Selman. He was the first ever draft pick of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 1976 when the expansion team selected him number one overall. Selman was a dominant college player at the University of Oklahoma where he won two consecutive national championships. This dominance continued on the NFL level as he helped the Bucs go from an 0-26 start to the NFC Championship game in two short years. His greatness on the field was only surpassed by his humility, kindness, and generosity of spirit off of the field. As I said in the minicast about how I came to love sports, the 1979 NFC Championship game was the first football game that I ever watched. And Leroy Selman was my favorite player growing up, so I'm very happy that I can do a show about him today. Before we get to the show, in sports news, LeBron James signed a four-year deal to join the Los Angeles Lakers. This news is not very surprising to me as I think he maxed out what he could do in Cleveland and delivered on his promise to bring a championship to his hometown. The interesting thing to me is to see if he can keep that streak of making it to the finals alive. He's been to eight straight NBA finals, so it'll be interesting to see if that streak will continue. I do think, though, this will be a tough task to unseat the Golden State Warriors, who are probably the best team in the league right now and obviously the best team in the West and LeBron would have to go through them to get to the finals again. But if any player can pull that off, uh, it's definitely LeBron James. Also, NFL training camps are going to be opening in two weeks, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, That's my favorite part of the year, signifying the start of the NFL season, uh, and also signifying the NFL taking over all the sports shows on TV, on the radio, wherever you listen to sports. Uh, Obviously, NFL is still the king. I'm probably biased because football is my favorite sport by far. But again, very excited for the start of the next NFL season. And now I hope you enjoy this episode about the late, great Leroy Selman. I've been around great players. I've been around Howie Long. I've been around Ted Hendricks. I've been around Reggie White. But of all those players I just mentioned, the best player is Leroy Selman. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers select Leroy Selman, defensive end, Oklahoma. I've always had an appreciation for the history of the National Football League. And today the class of 2000 has the good fortune of sharing the stage with the many great players who helped pave the way for not only today's inductees, but the many players who play the game today. A number of these great men influenced my career as a young man. Guys like Bob Lilly, Leroy Selman, Randy White, and Joe Green. But uh, on a sadder note here, Randy, uh, Leroy Selman, we lost, we lost the Hall of Famer this past week. Yeah, and, you know, trust me, guys, we lost a friend 
when Leroy, Leroy Selman passed away on Sunday. First draft pick ever, the Tampa Bay Bucks, two national championships at Oklahoma. Coach, you were just there. They, they could tell you about what kind of a football player and what kind of a person Leroy Selman was. He was, he was amazing. I met him at the Hula Bowl in 1976. When we were both seniors in college, and we both got drafted that year. And every time I met him from that day on, he greeted me like we were old friends, like we went to college, went to high school together. I'll tell you this, the best way, I give us a lot of thought, how do you describe Leroy Selman? If you're a parent or you're a mentor and you think about the ideal person in your mind, you want that young man that you're in charge of or that is your son to come out and be. Think of the ideal person. That was Leroy Selman, just, just an incredible person. And trust me, you hear it all the time. But this place is a lot less shiny right now because Leroy Selman's not on the planet. Leroy Selman was born on October 20th, 1954 in Eufaula, Oklahoma. He was the youngest of nine children. His father was a sharecropper and Leroy and his siblings were raised to work hard on the farm, live a Christian life, and take care of each other. Three of the Selman brothers, Lucius, Dewey, and Leroy, all played high school football, and all three were outstanding. The three of them went on to play at the University of Oklahoma, but it was clear very early on that Leroy was at a different level. The Oklahoma Sooners won back-to-back -back national championships in 1974 and 1975, with Leroy Selman winning both the Outland Trophy as the best interior lineman in college football and the Lombardi Award as the best lineman or linebacker in college football. While Leroy Selman was dominating college football in Oklahoma, down in Tampa, Florida, the newest NFL franchise, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, were preparing to create a team to start playing the 1976 season. The head coach was John McKay, who had a legendary career at USC, including winning four national titles. The general manager of the Bucs was Ron Wolfe. If that name rings a bell, he was the architect of the 1990s resurgence of the Green Bay Packers. Yes, he was the guy that plucked Brett Favre from the Atlanta Falcons, and you know the rest of that story. Ron Wolf also had two different stints with the Oakland Raiders and for a time worked for the New York Jets. Ron Wolf is also a member of the Prawl Football Hall of Fame. Wolf and the Bucks had a big decision to make in 1976, and the natural inclination was to maybe draft a great running back to jumpstart the offense of this new franchise. But Wolf saw the pure talent of Leroy Selman and drafted him number one overall. Now keep in mind, the players Wolf had a hand in selecting or working with during his long career included Gene Upshaw, Brett Favre, Reggie White, Howie Long, among others. Wolf told Sports Illustrated, quote, Without a doubt, throughout my career, the best player I ever drafted was Leroy Selman. And the audio clip you heard at the top of this show was Ron Wolf telling the world that Leroy Selman was better than Howie Long, Hall of Fame defensive lineman, better than Ted Hendricks, another Hall of Fame defensive lineman, and better than Reggie White. Yes, the same Reggie White who many consider to be the best defensive lineman to ever play in the NFL. And I watched him play and he was incredible. And he is also in the Hall of Fame. That should tell you without question the absolute greatness of Leroy Selman. Wolf drafted or acquired all of these players I've just named, all of them in the Hall of Fame. And without hesitation, Ron Wolf says Leroy Selman was the best of them all. The Bucks also did something else in that draft of 1976. They drafted Leroy's brother Dewey in the second round. 
I'll play a portion of Leroy's Hall of Fame speech at the end of the show, but this move was huge for Leroy Selman. Dewey was 11 months older than Leroy, but they had such a close relationship, everyone thought that they were twins. To have Dewey with him in Tampa was something that, to Leroy, meant literally everything. It gave Leroy that connection to home and family that most players don't get to have when they enter the NFL. It also helped the Bucks that Dewey was a very good player in his own right. Two of Leroy Selman's first three seasons in Tampa were hampered by injuries, but starting in 1978, Leroy Selman became a full-time nightmare for opposing offenses. The Bucks' offense was atrocious, but the Bucks' defense led by Leroy started to systematically rise, earning the nickname Orange Crush Defense. The 1979 season proved to be a special one for Leroy and the Buccaneers. The 0-26 laughing stock of the league caused people to stop laughing that season. The offense started to finally pull its weight with the addition of Doug Williams at quarterback and running back Ricky Bell, who became the Bucks' first 1,000-yard rusher. Leroy's stats that season were 117 tackles, 11 sacks, three forced fumbles, one of those leading to a touchdown, and his first Pro Bowl berth in his fourth season. Leroy Selman never missed a Pro Bowl again. In the divisional round, the Bucks played the Philadelphia Eagles. Leroy had two sacks in that game, and the Bucks beat the Eagles 24-17. The date, January 6, 1980, the first ever football game that I watched. The team that was once the butt of jokes on the Johnny Carson show was now in the NFC Championship game facing the Los Angeles Rams. The defense was tremendous again that day, but the offense could not score, and the Bucks lost 9-0 on three Rams field goals. Leroy was named NFL Defensive Player of the Year for the 1979 season. Leroy played seven, or excuse me, played for five more seasons before a back injury prematurely ended his career after the 1984 season. His career stats were 78 and a half sacks, 28 and a half forced fumbles, 742 tackles, six straight Pro Bowls, 1979 NFL Defensive Player of the Year, 1979 NFL Defensive Lineman of the Year. 1980s All-Decade Team, and voted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, class of 1995. After leaving football, Leroy Selman remained a fixture in the Tampa Bay community, where he became a bank executive and worked in many civic and charitable endeavors. He became the athletic director of the University of South Florida and was instrumental in getting their football team off the ground. When he met with younger Buccaneer players, Leroy would often speak with them not about the football, not about football itself but about life off the field. Leroy Summon was a precursor to another figure that would come to the Bucks organization 11 years after Leroy retired with the same demeanor. That man was coach Tony Dungy. Dungy wrote of Selman after he passed away, quote, Leroy was a great player, one of the best defensive linemen ever to play in the NFL. And while he never led the team to a Super Bowl, he will always be remembered as a hero to the people of the Tampa Bay area. That's because of the way he lived his life how he carried himself, and how he impacted the community off the field. So many of the people that I talked to had great stories about Leroy Selman. Most were too young to remember watching him play, but they were impacted by something he did, something he said, or a personal contact he had with them. Simply put, Leroy was a great Christian man, a man of strong character, and a very humble leader. Humble leader. I love those two words. I have always admired people who are humble leaders. We all have egos, and it's extremely hard to let your excellence speak for itself. Leroy Selman personified what it meant to be a humble leader. 
I'm going to play a portion of Leroy Summons Hall of Fame acceptance speech. I think this portion really gets to the heart of why he is my favorite Buccaneer player of all time. The humility, gentleness, and genuineness of this man is something that is sorely needed in this world. After I play the excerpt, I'm going to end the show with my personal story of Leroy Selman. But God blessed me farther with a career that extended on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I really appreciate Hugh Coverhouse and Coach John McKay and Ron Wolf at the time for making a tough decision because it was an expansion team back in 1976. And I know they had to labor over who they should select as their first collegiate player. And I didn't appreciate it that much as a senior in college, but I've grown to appreciate that a whole lot more today. And I thank them for selecting me to come to the great area of Tampa, Florida, and play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But it was a bigger decision than that that they made that day. A more important one than selected me, it was when they selected my brother Dewey. Because I knew we had been on so many dates together. So they knew that I would probably be lost if I came all the way to Tampa, Florida without him. Now Dewey has great ability, and that was the greatest move I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers made out of the draft that year. While there, I appreciated playing for Coach John McKay, and certainly under the tutelage of a great coach named Abe Gibran. I know a lot of you have heard about Coach Abe Gibran, but he taught me a lot of the final points about playing in the National Football League and what it would take to be a competitor. Thank you, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, for selecting me into the National Football Hall of Fame. Also, we'd like to pay tribute to my teammates throughout the years in Eufaula and, and at Oklahoma, and of course with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's too many to name. Every one of them has played a vital role in my life. But when I talk about family and, and football and tying all that together, there's one teammate that I would like to mention besides my brother Dewey, and that's Ricky Bell. He, Ricky fought a hard battle on the football field. He never quit. He gave it his all each and every play in practice and in the games. And Ricky became ill. He fought that way with his illness as well to the very day that he left us. I'll never forget that about Ricky. He was a good friend. I know he would be proud of this very moment today, and I think Ricky Bell should, is truly a Hall of Famer. Also, we'd like to thank the fans throughout the years that supported me in Yafala, Oklahoma, the University of Oklahoma, and right in the Tampa Bay. Uh, without that support of not only myself, but all those teams and the, and the game of intercollegiate football and the professional football game, I wouldn't be here today as well. I'm so appreciative of someone in Tampa Bay who always put a sign in the corner of the end zone that says, Leroy Selman for the Hall of Fame. I don't know who that was, but that is very special. Shows you kind of, kind of people that live in the Tampa Bay area. And I've been so overwhelmed by the response of our community since this has been announced back in January. I appreciate so much all the kind gestures and phone calls and gifts and letters. Thank you very, very much. I also would like to thank the nomination committee and the selection committee for, provide, for, for, for such a fine honor as this. One person I would like to thank in particular is uh, Tom McEwen. Tom told me a long time ago in 1976 that if I ever wanted to get anywhere in Tampa Bay, that there was someone that I needed to know. 
that was important, a key person in the community, a leader, and that person was him. So I thank Tom, I believe him now. He had to make an excellent presentation to get me into this position today. Before I tell my story of Leroy Selman, after listening to his Hall of Fame speech, I had been reminded of a long forgotten story of the sign that would hang in the corner of the end zone that simply said, Leroy Selman for the Hall of Fame. I would remember going to games in the years after Leroy retired from football and always looking around the stadium to find that sign. That sign always warmed my heart because I knew that Leroy Selman was a Hall of Fame player. But I also remember thinking, as easily as it was to see his career and put him in the Hall of Fame, he played for a team that was bad for most of his career. And as such, he wouldn't get the recognition or the chance to ever get in the Hall of Fame. So I wasn't too optimistic that was going to happen. But I was so happy that through the diligent work of the late Tom McEwen, the sports columnist of the now-defunct Tampa Tribune, Leroy Selman was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1995. Now, my story with Leroy Selman is a, is a good one. I was very lucky to get to meet him. Basically, the way that ended up happening was I found out that he was going to be having an autograph signing at a local store in Tampa. This would have been around probably 2004. Um, there was a $20 fee to get his autograph. Now, I had a hard and fast rule that I never broke that I would not pay for autographs. I have several autographs that I've gotten from Bucks players and coaches. Uh, Tony Dungy, Warren Sapp, Warwick Dunn, John Gruden, uh, several players that I've got autographs over the years, mostly through going to training camp when I used to go regularly. Haven't been for quite a few years, but that's where I got most of those autographs. And my hard and fast rule was I was never going to pay for an autograph for an athlete because to me anyway, uh, that kind of cheapened the experience. Now, if other people choose to do that. I don't have an issue with that. Just for me, I didn't think it was something that I would want to do. But in this case, I broke my rule, and there's two reasons. The number one reason, it was Leroy Selman. Leroy Selman is simply my favorite Buccaneer player of all time, and I was going to break my rule if I get a chance to talk to and get an autograph for Leroy Selman. Reason number two, it would come as no surprise to me after I found out that the fee that was being charged was going to go to charity. So that sealed it for me. So I went and stood in line to get my autograph uh, from Leroy Selman. Now, as I was standing in that line, I had my throwback Bucks mini helmet in my hand, um, long line waiting to, to meet him, of course, and a rush of of thoughts were going through my mind at the time. First, just really great memories of being a child and learning about the game of football and being able to watch one of the greats of all time play for my local team, even though for a long time my local team was not very good. Uh, but to know that I could watch him every week and watch someone play at a supremely high level, just those memories and and the work he did in Tampa after his career was over, the community work that he's done, the way that he basically became an institution in the Tampa Bay area to the point where the city named a part of the expressway after him. So those thoughts are going to my mind as well. And after I went through those thoughts, I'm still waiting in line. My last and more scary thought was, what am I going to say to this man? What am I going to say when it's my turn to get my helmet autographed? Uh, am I going to talk to him about a play that I thought saw him make or an incredible sack that I saw him make or an incredible double team that I saw him break through to sack the quarterback. What was I going to say to, to, to engage Leroy, the, a man that I've admired for my entire life when I got to 
finally get to speak with him as an adult. So, of course, my turn came up. I handed him my helmet and my marker for him to sign it. And after all that thinking and all that contemplating while I was standing in line for who knows how long, I mustered the great line of, thank you for everything you did. That was it. Didn't have anything else, nothing else to add, no clever stories, no thanks for doing this, no I love this play or that play. I said, thank you for everything that you did. So Leroy stopped what he was doing. He looked right at me and he said quietly, I appreciate that. And he finished signing my helmet and then I went on my way. After I left the store and went back as I was going to my car, I'm like, that's all I could come up with? After all that time standing in line, my probably one and only chance maybe to speak to Leroy Selman and I thought, all I could come up with is thank you for all you did. I was so frustrated with myself that day that I didn't make more of the opportunity to speak to my favorite player of all time. But as the years have gone by, and knowing what we all know about Leroy Selman now, I realized that for him, that was more than enough. And I can say that one line encompassed, I think, everybody's feelings towards him. And I think he appreciated that like he told me he said I appreciate that and for me I think he really did appreciate that and I think that's all he needed he didn't need a long uh, uh, recitation of all his great accomplishments or for me to tell him how I how I thought he was one of the best players ever or any of that stuff he was never about that he was about being a good man being a great football player being a good family man so just saying thank you I think was enough for him. So I'm glad that that's what I ended up saying. I am very lucky that my first football hero as a child was Leroy Selman. You couldn't do much better than that. Thanks, Leroy. Let me know your thoughts about this or any show that you've listened to. Remember, the website is www.letmebendyourear.com. Please subscribe to the show on any of the following podcast apps. Apple Podcast, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, or CastBox. The show is also on YouTube. The YouTube channel is Let Me Bend Your Ear Podcast. You can follow the show on Twitter at Bend Your Ear Pod, which is also the Instagram handle, Bend Your Ear Pod. If you have any suggestions, thoughts, questions that you want to direct towards me specifically, you can email the show at bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. Again, if you listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review. This is extremely important to the growth of the show. Thanks for listening, and I hope everyone has a great week.